together in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are a good father, and uh, my prayer is to sing those words, say those words, read those words, that people would know you as a good father, people would know you as good. Uh, There are people in this house who uh, uh, are walking through challenges, and uh, they may not think that you're there, Uh, they just may not think that you're good, Uh, yet you are good, your word tells you you're good. We come and we, we give thanks, we worship, we say you've risen from the grave and you died for us and my prayer is that people would uh, really know that to the core of their being and it would change uh, the way they live, not, not just in like a, a moral way, but uh, that people would radiate uh, your joy, your peace, your forgiveness your love, and people would just see it without any of us having to say it. And that can happen, that does happen uh, in Christ, and just thank you for your goodness and your love to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Uh, that was a video. If you like that, uh, and I do because as I said, whether you realize it or not, it really, these videos encapsulate the Bible in about five minutes, uh, and also where... Uh, some kids could somewhat understand. And uh, we are thankful for our family ministry. Y'all can uh, uh, step up and go out, guys. Uh, as they go, thankful for them. Uh, y'all give five to some of the kids as they walk out, if you can, uh, or if you want to, yeah. Thankful for our family ministry. But uh, those videos are from a, uh, a site called The Bible Project. Uh, you can uh, check that out as well. Uh, as our family ministry steps out, this is the Sunday after Easter, uh, just about everybody knows that. And uh, I say that because, as I said earlier, Easter is not simply a day. It is a season. Uh, a lot of folks don't know this, but in church history, church tradition, you know, we had 40 days of Lent, and the 40 days after Easter are called the Easter season uh, and end at Pentecost. Now, uh, today we have our baptismal up here. We won't have it every Sunday, but had it last Easter. Uh, we had brothers and sisters uh, who were baptized, and I have it up here, and we may keep it a couple more Sundays, but as a reminder of the importance of baptism, and I had several folks tell me after Easter Sunday, he's like, man, I want to get baptized uh, the next time. Therefore, uh, let me just say this, uh, I'm open to doing a baptism Sunday on Pentecost, which is May 15th, and if you know uh, church history, Pentecost the day that the Holy Spirit descended and Jesus ascended, uh, I think it'd be a powerful baptism service, just saying. We don't have to, but enough folks said, hey, I'm ready to get baptized. Uh, we don't have to wait till August. So uh, it's good news. And in the Easter season, the next 40 days, we are starting a series uh, calling, call it A New or A New. And we're doing that because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. And so if in Lent we did He Is, we looked at Jesus, over the next couple Sundays, we're going to be talking about how you can be a new creation and what that might look like in Jesus. However, we'll start that next Sunday. Today, uh, we are doing this theme throughout the year that we call Rise with God. Uh, Rise with God is our church's uh, 
uh, theme and effort, although I hate saying effort, but it just it is what it is, uh, to get our people to know the Bible more. Like some of you might have watched that video, it's like, okay, that's kind of good, but Leviticus, mm, I don't know about that. Ezekiel, come on, man. Uh, just give me some John 3.16. Or you could have said, hey, uh, just be glad I'm at church. I was drunk last night. I am glad you're at church. <laughs> or you could be saying, I'm still in debt. Uh, my spouse is looking to leave. Come on, man. Ezekiel to Revelation. Give me a break. And I get that. That's what I used to say. So that's why it's important for us as a church to what we call see a big God. And that the big God is through these pages of Scripture. And it is one story. That little video shared one story. It took one theme and aspect of the gospel, holiness, and tracked it from Moses through the Old Testament that sometimes we like to skip. It is part of the Bible. Uh, into Jesus, we saw him, the man, and a revelation, which we're studying on Wednesday night. Uh, it's a big passion of mine that God's people know the Bible, and then people who are looking for God find him in Scripture. So today, we're actually, or I'm going to preach, teach, on the Rise with God passage for this morning. And did, does anybody know where it was? Anybody read it already? Anybody? What? It wasn't Ezekiel. No, it wasn't. It was Leviticus. Even worse. Yeah, I know. So, or in my opinion. I mean, I don't know if it was. But Leviticus and Psalm. So the, the reading for today was Leviticus 6 and then Psalm 5 and 6. Now, uh, and you may say, thankfully, I'm going to focus on Psalm 5. But I am going to highlight some things from uh, Leviticus. Leviticus. And, uh, you know, the idea is, again, that we are united uh, not in a theme, uh, not in an idea, but in God's Word, and we're reading the same uh, passages uh, each and every day. So today is Psalm 5 and 6 and Leviticus 6. We're going to be in Psalm 5 primarily. So if you have your Bibles turned, Psalm 5, uh, let's read that together, okay? It says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning, give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. Uh, o Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies the Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out, for they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Uh, now, you may have read that psalm. Uh, I love psalms, and uh, you may read a lot of psalms. Uh, David pretty much wrote all of them, and they are for people like us uh, that deal with grief, 
uh, that deal with tragedy, that deal with problems and challenges, because David is so open. I mean, I think one of the reasons people love the song is he's really just pouring out everything. He's uh, leaving nothing unsaid. Uh, and you see this man, some psalms in anguish, uh, and sometimes uh, in joy and celebration. And it shows that to us, and it speaks to us. Now, this particular is a psalm, I believe, for anyone who is struggling or has a lot of guilt, and that can be many of us. Uh, it's a psalm for many of us who struggle and are dealing with a lot of worry, uh, and that can be many of us. And it's also uh, for those of us who have conflict with other people uh, or in an extreme way uh, might have what we say are enemies. Uh, now, enemies is, again, that's a, that's a strong word, uh, but I know some of you uh, probably have enemies, that they're those that, even though they don't do you harm, hopefully, uh, they might wish you harm, and I've been pastor long enough and seen uh, human nature and relationships uh, that know that there are people who are like, you know, you know, they're like, hey, God, you know, I don't want to do this, but, you know, if they're dead, that's okay, you know? And, um, I mean, seriously, okay? Let's just be real. I mean, David's real. Let's be real. So, uh, for those who struggle with guilt, those who struggle with worry, those who have enemies, this psalm speaks to us, okay? Now, the other thing, though, is uh, David is going to, as the video showed, uh, a holy place, uh, the holy temple. And I show that video on holiness because uh, whether you realize it or not, all of us, all of us want to be holy. Now, now you said, man, that's not me. And, and I used to say, like, for sure that is not me because I did not like the word holy. Uh, I know there's some high schoolers in here. When I was in high school, I was like, holy, that just, that just emanates uncool. Like, holy is just like, you know, just give me, give me a break. Holy? I mean, holy is like holy roller. And the last thing I wanted to be uh, seen as was holy. And there's this connotation with the word uh, that is negative, like holy roller. Uh, however, all of us desire to be holy. Like, what do you mean by that? All of us desire some state of perfection in our life. And holy, as the video showed in the Bible, holy was that you could come before God, pure, okay? Uh, the Bible goes into ritually pure, it's Leviticus, spiritually pure, morally pure. All of us want this idea of perfection. Now, it may be, hey, I want to be perfect as a ball player, okay? You're like, how does holy get with ball player? Well, it's this idea of perfection. I want to be perfect in my career. Uh, I want to be perfect as a spouse. I want to be perfect as a friend. All of those things are tied up uh, into this word that is perfection. We can't attain that because we're human beings. Only God is perfectly holy. However, and this is probably the key point of the sermon, the key point of the video, in my opinion, was when there was the guy standing here and there was a temple here, and that was God's holy place. And for thousands of years, the people entered into the place so they could be in a perfect state. Now God has come out to us, the temple comes to us, in Jesus Christ that we can attain, we can attain his holiness, his righteousness. That's what the gospel's all about, that we don't have to go to get it he comes to us and gives it. That was the whole thing. If you watched and processed it uh, about the, uh, that seraphim deal, touching Isaiah, Jesus touching those, 
Impurity does not come to God. His purity and perfection goes to us. So let's, let's uh, give Leviticus its due real quick. Uh, you don't have to turn. I may just read a few things. But Leviticus 6 today uh, is all about this thing about going in and seeking holiness by an offering, a sin offering, a guilt offering. And just a few verses that I'm going to read to you. But it is Leviticus 6 if you read it again. It's talking about these instructions for priests that would go in and offer an offering and it would be holy before God. Listen to this verse 17. It says, this is when they're offering a food offering. And Moses, who wrote Leviticus, said, it is a thing most holy, like the sin offering and the guilt offering. Whatever touches them shall become holy. Skip down verse 25 says, this is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, shall the sin offering be killed before the Lord. It is most holy. Verse 26, in a holy place it shall be eaten. Verse 27, whatever touches its flesh shall be holy. It was washed, verse 27, in a holy place. All these things are the people of God trying to go to a place and offer something before God that would cover their sin, that would cover their guilt, uh, and that they would be holy. And the message that Jesus brings is that he is that holy offering, God coming to us. And now we get a peek of this at David. And so let's pretend as we're reading through, I'm not going to read through it again, we're going to highlight some verses. Psalm 5, and maybe none of you are having any struggles, but let's say you're struggling with this guilt. Leviticus was all about a guilt offering. You're struggling with sin, addiction, you know, prideful thoughts, greed. Leviticus was all about offering something to the Lord. Here in Psalm 5, David is going to the temple uh, to receive God's holiness. Let's say you're struggling with enemies. If you read this psalm, if you were tracking with me as I read it, David's got a lot of enemies. So, what would this say to you and me? It actually says a lot. So first off, going back to Psalm 5, uh, he's groaning. Look at verse 1. He is crying out. He calls God king, which I think we forget about a lot. But our God is king. He's king of kings, Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. So David starts this off not in a good place. I mean, and he... It's interesting that David is king. David is the most powerful person on earth at this time, arguably, okay? Maybe there were some folks in Asia. I don't know if when Genghis Khan or any of those, but, you know, they, they, you could argue that. But really, David was, had so much power, so much wealth, and he says, I'm groaning and I cry out. Look at this, verse 3. In the morning, you hear my voice. In the morning, I pray, prepare a sacrifice for you. Uh, just a hint, hint, what we say, rise with God. Uh, David's calling out to God in the morning. Uh, I think a great discipline is having some morning time with the Lord. I love how he says, I prepare a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice to give 30 minutes to God in your morning. Uh, it's a big sacrifice for some of us to wake up 30 minutes early. It's a bigger sacrifice to give an hour. We see David uh, doing that here. He is a man after God's 
own heart. Uh, that begins at the beginning of the day in the morning, and some great advice, even though the gospel is not advice, it's life, but some advice from me uh, would be have your rise with God time as you rise in the morning in Scripture and in prayer. Again, just saying, but uh, I, think it's a, uh, I think it's good for all of us. So he goes to the Lord in the morning. Uh, now look at this verse four, because this is really key. It says, evil may not dwell with you. It does not say evil may not dwell within you, because we know that, that's God. Evil does not dwell within you. But it even says, evil may not dwell with you. Uh, this is a key verse because, and let me say this, I believe if, if you convert to Christianity, uh, if you become a new Christian, then there is some life change going on in your life. As in some patterns change. Like some evil things uh, that we do before we're Christian, uh, that starts diminishing. And you're like, well, you know, what do you mean evil? Well, let me give you some examples. So when I really became a Christian and converted, uh, my drunken days started subsiding. Is that real enough? I can get more real. But that, so my drunkenness started diminishing, okay? Um, just being real. You know, another one, adultery. I don't think converted Christians or people who say, hey, I'm a new Christian, you know, if they're engaging in acts of adultery, uh, at best, that needs to end. I mean, at most, let's, let's get it start diminishing. And I've talked to brothers and sisters, talked to somebody this week, who is a Christian um, and struggles with porn and all that, but it is diminishing, okay? My point in this is that if, you're, if God's in you, like God, Father, Son, and Spirit, it says right here, evil may not dwell with you. So if God's in you, and evil may not dwell with you, then, and look, we all have evil, I have evil thoughts. I'll say that. You're like, I don't have evil thoughts. I have evil thoughts, okay? It starts diminishing. There's, there's life change, okay? And, and I say that because I think a lot of folks will say, you know, hey, I'm saved, and, and there's no life change at all. I am saying if God is in you, then you know, these thoughts of pride, these thoughts of greed, these acts of pride, these acts of greed, uh, these acts of entitlement, these acts of, hey, I know better. There is a change. I can't stress that enough. And it's biblical. It's not just my opinion. Uh, verse five and six, I think uh, this is a great call to repentance. Uh, look at what happens to those who don't repent. Look at those who evil remains in them. The boastful, Shall not stand before your eyes. You hate. Hate's a strong word. That's not what I said. It's the Bible. All evildoers. You destroy. Again, a strong word. Those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and, and deceitful. The contrast there, bloodthirsty, but yet deceitful. And so verse 5 and 6 is a real, not from me, from Scripture, a call to Repent. I mean, it's, it's showing us real clear, like, how the Lord thinks of, of sin, sin in us, sin in me that I've had, so you won't feel that bad. Sin in me, okay? Repent. And then verse 7, and uh, this is the key, this is the key verse, this is the key point for today. Uh, this is uh, the Bible saying what you saw in the video of the temple, the guy in the temple, and God going out to him. Look at this. But I, David, but I, me, but I, you, 
Through the abundance of your steadfast love will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in fear of you. Uh, Here's the deal. The only way that we get to God, that we get to God, is because of his love. We get to God because he loved, here's some John 3.16. We get to God because God loved the world so much that he sent his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This verse does not say, uh, through my loving acts, I will enter your house. It doesn't say, through my love for others, I will enter your house. It says, through the abundance of your love, God comes to you, people. God comes to us in Jesus. David is getting this. David is foreshadowing Jesus as he says, through the abundance, this overwhelming love God has for all of you, his people, I will enter your house. I will bow down toward your, what's that word there? Holy temple. You could exchange that word holy temple with Jesus. I will bow down toward Jesus. Because Jesus said, I will tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. Jesus Jesus said, I am the temple now, and I'm coming out to you. And then he says, as the video showed, you are my people, and you go out, and you have Jesus' righteousness and his holiness, and you are like this river that goes across earth and will grow across time but it's because of his love. So then, if you have that, David says, now, Lord, lead me in your righteousness. And this is where many of you are. Because many of you are like, okay, I've got that. I know the gospel. And a lot of you are like, I know it conceptually. I know it's not like, you know, my acts or my love. It's God. I know that. I know that. But now you're at this point, okay, I've got it, so lead me in your righteousness. And that's a very kind of holy roller term, biblical term. But he's saying, lead me, you know, in a way that's good. And so many of you, because I talked to you, so many of you desire, Lord, lead me in this way that's good. Because I do have enemies. He says, lead me in your righteousness because of my enemies. I do have enemies. I have conflict, but lead me in what's good. And, and I would say this. This is where uh, being here is important at church in worship, feeling the power of his spirit, listening to God's word, reading God's word, being convicted, not by me, but by the Holy Spirit. This is why it's important to do Rise of the God time. It's why it's important we stress a B group or a small group to have a smaller group for accountability because we need to be led in the Lord's righteousness. Um, there's a guy, uh, well, many of y'all know him, C.S. Lewis. And, uh, and I love quoting him and not that I read him all the time, but I quote him as he takes these big ideas and he makes them so simple. Like one is this idea of the soul. The soul goes to heaven. Okay, we know that. And, the, and everybody, we believe we have a soul. But when you say, well, what is your soul? And he said it like this. The soul is that place. It's the center, he calls it, of every decision. And it's like every decision? You know, like where I'm going to go eat for lunch today? Well, you could, you could argue that, but it's the soul of these, I would say every decision, yeah. And he says, every day, each person is making decisions that makes one's soul more holy and heavenly or more hellish. Now, I really like that because that's simple. It's the center spot of your being that is making decisions. And each day, we have this opportunity 
to be more holy and heavenly or more hellish. And I use that for this verse because we want to be led in righteousness and we want to make decisions that are holy and heavenly and not hellish. Like literally right now, we don't just go to heaven or hell, and people will, but we're becoming either a more heavenly state or a more hellish state as we speak, or as I speak, because you're making decisions consciously about what to think about, what to think about this message, what to think about this reading, whether it's true or not, whether it's like, you know, give me a break, or whether it's like, you know, I am going to receive this, whether you receive it well or you don't receive it at all. We're always making these choices. Lead me in righteousness. Then he goes on and he talks about, well, David talks about his enemies. And um, there's some bad dudes. I like this, uh, this part of the verse that they flatter with their tongue. His enemies flatter him. It's a little wisdom for us. Then he closes, and we'll close this, this message here. Verse 11 and 12, look at this. All who take refuge in you. Refuge is you go to a place. You go to the holy temple. You go to Jesus. Jesus covers you. Refuge. Let them ever sing for joy. Uh, I love the beauty of the music, uh, the giftedness of our worship leaders. Have you ever thought about why does singing or some songs like move you as it does? And it may not be all music. I mean, you know, you have your, you know, I like this, I don't like this. But for what you like, why does it, why does it touch you? It's like it touches our soul sometimes. What, what is that? I believe, and one of my favorite verses in Ecclesiastes, it says, God has put eternity in the hearts of all people. So there are eternal things in each of your heart. And I think one of them is, is music, is song. Because one of the things that will be happening for eternity is there will be music. And I think those, those songs, that music that just like moves our soul, it, it's a foretaste of eternity. David says, let them sing ever for joy. Look at this, spread your protection over them. That, think about it, imagine that. I mean, a lot of y'all here do not feel safe. Hopefully you feel safe in this place, but, but like in your life, you don't feel safe. You won't admit it, like, you know, I need to be protected. Think about God's protection over you, covering you. Look at this, that those who love your name, the name of Jesus, may exalt. Exalt's an exciting word. You know, one of the things, I mean, I love trying to create church as, you know, do whatever you want, you know, raise your hand, sit, worship, pray. You know, I... One of my pet peeves, and this is probably a pride thing too, but don't want church to ever be rote, you know? I mean, I've said it, even in the middle of a sermon, if you want to come up and pray at the altar, you know, come on down, you know? Now, I don't know if anybody's going to take me up on that, but uh, I mean, I'd love a bit more openness and freedom, and some of you may really just take that and roll with it. I mean, I'd love to see it, and some of you be like, man, I'm going to do this to spite you. I don't know, but anyway, I'm just saying that an exaltation is different. There's a different spirit about that. And, and people who are living in the, in the Lord, um, they exult. And that's, that's exciting. There's something captivating about their life. It should be something captivating 
about the church. Like what I talked about last week, Easter, I mean, it is, an, I believe it's an adventure. Uh, I believe it, it is life in, in, in every way. And it's, it's good. He's a good, good father. It's a good, good story. You have a good, good life awaiting for you, and it's eternal. Exaltation. And then it ends, says you cover him, the righteous, with favor as a shield. It's a famous verse. Cover him with favor as a shield. Everybody wants favor. Favor of God. Favor of God, you know, you could take it to one extreme, you know, health and wealth, or just a good life, favor. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm preaching that he does give it. He is a good father. There is favor. Like, well, man, you know, still addicted to something, still divorced, um, still looking at financial ruin, still struggling, still don't know what to do in my life. Uh, thanks for that word, but no thanks because I got some problems and some big felt needs. Uh, I'm telling you here, and it's not my opinion, it's God's word, uh, that you go to Jesus, you will find perfection. And it is not, hey, let me live a good life, moral, and be holy, and I'll get Jesus. It's the other way around. You go to Jesus, and, and you get his perfection. You get his holiness. Last thing I'll say, hopefully make it even clear. Uh, there's a guy that I heard in an interview this week uh, who is famous. I'm not going to say his name, um, but he's famous, known all over the world. He, he's a writer, best-selling writer. And, uh, and he speaks to, and he gives interviews and does commentary and stuff. But he is famous. And he said this in an interview. He said, uh, you know, I'm really being stretched in my spiritual life. And the interviewer said, well, tell me more about that. It's like, you know, I had this friend who I grew up with, and we went to summer camp every year for 15 years together. And it says, he just radiates uh, this, this joy. And he died two weeks ago. And he said, I went to see him um, the day he actually died. And he was like so excited. And he said, I'm going to the kingdom. And he said, this was a man who really gave his life uh, for others selflessly. Uh, it said, and this was like, uh, I was like, this is God saying I need to go to Honduras. He said, he worked in Honduras a lot, which was interesting. Uh, he said he did a lot of youth counseling. Um, he just gave his life. And then this famous person said, I don't have that. And he said, I write books, and I, people know me, and I want what he has. And he said, on the day he said, I'm going to the kingdom. And he had joy and excitement. Uh, I want that. I want you to have that. I want the people of this church to have that. That is this idea of holiness, that perfection, that, that love and that joy. Uh, it begins and never ends in Jesus. And you go to him and you'll have it. Go to the kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, today. Thank you that, for your word. Uh, I thank you for your word that uh, goes across the Bible and he is Jesus. Uh, and we see his story. Uh, a lot of us think that our stories are uh, not what we want them to be. Or have gone off track or, or messed up. Uh, miracles can happen in a moment because salvation can happen in a moment. Uh, miracles can happen today, and so I pray uh, that folks would uh, 
turn from some of the desires of, of their life and them knowing best and them knowing what they should do and just simply turn to Jesus. And when people say, well, how did I turn to Jesus? You gave us a Bible. You gave us a church. You pour out your spirit. So may we come to you now in your name. Amen.